This FPL season has definitely been go, go, go. A nonstop hustle all the time. Matches, deadlines, unexpected blank and double game weeks, on top of everything the real world has had in store. Sometimes you need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. For me personally, supporting Fulham during this last year has been a true roller coaster ride. Honestly, when that Adama Traore goal flew past Areola in the 92nd minute of game week 31, the only thing that saved my mental state, the only thing that calmed my nerves, was cracking open a Coors Light. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. That way, you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. And listen, everyone, summer is pretty much here. It's about to get hot in New York. An ice-cold Coors Light is such a perfect way for me to beat that summertime heat. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Hail cheaters and welcome to the Always Cheating Fantasy Premier League Podcast. My name is Josh. I'm here with Brandon. Brandon, how are you? I'm great. I am 11 points better than I was yesterday, <laughs> Sunday, mm-hmm. when uh, gremlins in our computers prevented us from posting at our usual time. Yeah. But we're here on Monday uh, after game week 13 has come to a close. And yeah, you were talking to me yesterday, Josh, and I was a bit sour, <laughs> um, really having a really terrible game yeah. week. Uh, you would never think that uh, your game week happiness would come down to Villa hosting Newcastle. You see Steve Bruce on the sideline and you think this is this is FPL poison. But, yeah. Um, boy, I, Gilbert, he, he really pulled me pulled me out of a tough one. Yeah. Kind of sneaky two points, two bonus points at the end there. Right. I, I don't think he, I didn't even realize he was on for them until until right at the end there. I, I feel like he nicked them late yeah. or something. St. Maximin uh, yeah. was basically showing him the ball down the uh, down the left wing every step of the way. So I think Gilbert kind of tackled and complete passed his way gotcha. to a, per, a perfect two bonus. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, fair enough. So yeah, I'm, I'm glad because I know that yesterday it, it's it's always tough to record a podcast uh, after a you know really catastrophic game week, um, and I feel like. Now you've just had a garden variety bad game week, and like a bad game week is annoying, but <laughs> fairly easy to str- like to yeah. shrug off. You know, it's fine. Um, yeah, mine yeah. is mine was better. Uh, I have another green arrow. I'm up again, but um, yeah, sort of run into that. Like, I feel like I need to make more. Trying to avoid that temptation to just you know, it's actually it's you know, it's interesting because we were talking in the last podcast about how you want to like you want to start making moves and you want to start figuring out you know where in your team you can be a little different from everybody else you know it's kind of a way to to stand out or you know ideally have you know the next template team you know like the next the next collection of players that everyone's going to move to you know over the next few game weeks um but you know i had another good game week and i got you know the vardy captaincy right but because i don't have sadio mane and andrew robertson i basically 
treaded water this game week, you know? And so it's sort of this, mm-hmm. this real kind of, you know, six of one. I, I don't know if that's, I don't know what the, you know, what, what the analogy I should be using here is, but basically, you know, it's like, this is the risk you run, you know, as if those players that are highly owned right. continue to do what they've been doing, which is why they're highly owned to begin yeah. with, um, you're going to, you're going to be in trouble, you know? And so you kind of have to like pick your spot. So like Lise Mousset was my transfer this week. Like that's the kind of move that, that can, you know, that can work out for you. It's like, try to like, you know, replace your 5 million third mid, you know? Uh, <laughs> and it's like, maybe you're not yeah. going to, you're not going to outscore your opponents by 30 points, but maybe it's five points here, 10 points there. And you can start yeah. to sort of chip away at the lead. Well, the cheaters this week are just stunting all over everyone with our cheap transfers because you brought in Lise Mousset this week. And my one transfer was Gilbert on Aston Villa, 4.4 bargain <laughs> fullback. Yeah. I, I, hear what you're, I hear what you're saying, though, in terms of um, you want to be progressive and you want to be different. Mm-hmm. But when you don't respect the template, you can get burned. And that was my thinking. Um just looking at my game week 13 score, which was um, kind of an appalling 47 points. But my strategy, you have been giving me a hard time the last three weeks for sitting on two free transfers. <laughs> right. Of course, this had to be the week that I played my two frees. And I was telling yeah. everyone who would listen, I was going to drop Aguero because why in God's name would you keep Sergio Aguero? He's just been. He's been a, a total wasteoid up front mm-hmm. for, for a month now. Yeah. Drop him for Jimenez and then bring in Sayunju in the back for um, one of my non-playing defenders. Bing, bang, boom. Uh, job's a good one mm-hmm. yep. to reference my, my good friend Ken Early. So yep. um, I decided to get really smart and I thought, oh, this home, this home fixture is, against Chelsea is really good for Manchester City. Mm-hmm. And I feel good about Aguero starting. So let's just run out with my guys, Sterling, De Bruyne and Aguero. Yeah. Who needs Liverpool attack? Who so- needs to captain Vardy? <laughs> I'm captaining Sterling. Uh-huh. And, and yeah, it just truly blew up in my face in in a really so, insane way. I want to talk to you about two insane things that happened this week and for in, in a second here. But first I, I have to say, I mean, so it's game week 13. We're going into game week 14. So we have, I think there's like 25 game weeks left in the season. I am really hoping, I like genuine this is a, a genuine hope that we go the next 25 weeks and each week you explain why you have not used the second of your two free transfers. And each week there's like a new rationale <laughs> yeah. and you just carry those two frees sure. over throughout the rest. In fact, you you yeah. don't even wild card in the second half of the season just so you can keep the two transfer record intact. That'd be amazing. I really yeah. Well, I, I have a, I can tease some exciting news that okay. I'll reveal later in this podcast. Okay, you burned one, you burned uh, one with transfer. regard to those two free transfers. Okay. Yeah. And, and before we, before we actually get into those moments you want to talk about, let's just set the table for this episode. Sure. Um, Mourinho's back. Spurs are back question mark. And as we're alluding to, we've got lots of things to talk about with regard to Liverpool and City. So the main theme of today's podcast is going to be premium problems and premium solutions. So we're going to get get to a ton of Spurs questions and Liverpool and City talk in a moment. But uh, yeah, let's just pick the bones out of game week 13 a little bit more. Just just quickly. And yeah, premium problems and premium solutions really does sound a lot like a PowerPoint deck that you might find um, in a, uh, I don't know, like a... um, 
like a business class or something. I don't know, like an intro to marketing class, something like that. Yeah, yeah, like a little bit like a uh, a VS Boas uh, PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> I think you mean, Josh. I, yeah, and uh, there, I think that it's it's really a huge question because I'm sitting on two of those players right now in Mo Salah and and Raheem Sterling, and I don't even know what to do. And then, of course, like a, the classic problem with these expensive players is you can always you know, see the light with them. And now that Aguero's injured, you're like, well, maybe Sterling plays up front and Sterling and Jesus have great numbers together. And it's just, it's very complicated. So I look forward to discussing that. But first, Brandon, um, it was interesting because it was not a, um, I would not say it was a, an all time worst game week for VAR. I mean, it was the like shambles that it always is, but I feel like for your personal team, this was a, a brutal weekend when it comes to VAR, right? It was, it was really <laughs> the moment I'm thinking about it. I yeah. mean, there's the, uh, the Sterling <laughs> goal. That's, that's just tough. Like, you know, 90, I wanted that goal mm-hmm. too. I mean, I, I, I still have Sterling my team and, um, you know, but, the, but I think it's the, it was the penalty save, right? That's gotta be, were you, were you watching that live? Can you walk me through your, your emotions? While I, that was, I was happening? watching it live. Yeah, I was at the Black Horse, not with you. You were traveling for work, but yep. I was at the Black Horse with our friends Danny and Jono, and uh, Vardy stepped up to take the pen, and and I turned to Danny and I said, man, I could really use a penalty save because I've got Ryan in goal, and um, that would just be a huge boost for me. Lo and behold, Ryan saves the penalty, and then I, I kind of stood up and started preaching to all the Black Horse, <laughs> anyone who would listen. I was like, Matt Ryan is the best goalkeeper to have in FPL. Even without clean sheets, he still manages to outscore the likes of yeah. Allison. You're holding your Bible oh, up in the air. If you're <laughs> exactly, I was I was thumping my pint glass like, listen to me. It, it, it is all about Matt Ryan. We're all moving to Australia, mm-hmm. uh, the great penal colony in the sky. Uh-huh. Um, and then and then Danny is like pulling on my arm. He's like, "Mate, mate, I uh, I think that it's coming back because of VAR." So, um, <laughs> and uh, you know, there was it, there were many many managers out there. It was painful for them from the James Madison point of view, right. and there were many managers out there where it was a huge relief uh, because of the huge level of Vardy captainers. Right. So there are many different ways to slice this, and I think if you want to talk about that decision and the um, the Raheem Sterling non offside decision, it's really it really stings because if you're a fantasy manager and you take it seriously, all of these things are going to sting. Right, and there's something about VAR that stings a little harder than when, say, your your captain just misses a big chance. Yeah, but ultimately, what I want to say to you and our audience right now is, I think what is really going to drive me insane is not. Is not just VAR, but the FPLification of VAR. It, it reminds me a little bit of um, I don't I don't know if this is in poor taste or not, but like when a when a player in any sport that's subject to a fantasy game gets a terrible injury, mm-hmm. and the immediate reaction is not oh I really feel for that person who's hurt. Right. I feel for their body, their well-being, I feel for their career, your immediate reaction is my my F, my fantasy team is being punished for this. Right. And I, I don't want to equate VAR with somebody, you know, having a career ending like sure. even injury, yeah, but even a, but you know, a hamstring injury or whatever. You know, I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. It's still I I just 
the complaining is is one thing, but this VAR thing is going to go on and on and on and on and on, and and I can't take it. I just can't take. It. I I worry about it too a little bit. I and I I actually it's. I think they're going to have to scrap it. I mean, I, I don't think it's going to happen this season, but I I, th- I don't think they can do this for another year. And, you know, I was thinking about this yesterday, and, and maybe maybe it's just the LPL manager. I mean, although it doesn't seem like anybody likes even people who aren't fantasy nuts like us. You know, and it's just this this feeling when, you know, Lise Mousset scores a great goal on um, – on uh, Sunday, it was actually really more like a great pass. I actually, it was a pretty great call too. He, he scored like a penalty, but from you know thirty yards out, and it was very well taken. Very, All credit to him. Yeah, yes. very well taken, and uh, so it was very exciting. But I was actually had a moment where I was like, I don't know if I can celebrate. Like I knew he was on side, but I was like, I still, I've been so gun shy now about VAR that I feel like I can't enjoy the goals anymore you know and so it's like this weird it's it's you know so i i you know they're the game i don't know it's just like that can't last can it and i'm sure people are feeling that way all across the country they're like i can't enjoy the sport anymore because i don't know what's going to happen you know and um i don't know i didn't i I actually i didn't even have vr in the running order here i don't mean to go on about it but it was just such a it's affecting fantasy so much you know we have to talk about a little bit yeah it's affecting fantasy but as i was saying i think what's more important is What's the Mousset goal, um, the McBurney goal that drew uh, Sheffield United level again with Manchester United there? And they they were interviewing Phil Jagielka after the game, and Phil was like, well, I assume it was for a handball. I honestly have no idea, and it seemed to go on for quite a long time. And it's, you know, it's ruining it's ruining the magic for the spectators. It's even ruining the magic for the players. It's it's just absolute madness. It's and complete please disaster. do not make VAR do not make VAR just about FPL. I don't think I can take it. I no, I I agree. And I just like I, I said something about VAR on Saturday, I think it was after the Sterling goal, and there are people defending VAR, and I'm just like, they still make you? Like there's still people out there who actually think that VAR is working or good. It's like <laughs> Like, like almost everybody has like, you know, even those of us, and I don't think you and I were just, I mean, neither of us wanted VR, but I don't think we were furiously opposed to it going into the season. It wasn't like you and I were like, you know, I think we actually, it's funny because we had some podcasts in gym where we were like, well, we don't want it, but this is the one time we're going to talk about it and it's here to stay. And so who cares? You know, we kind of like brush it off. I said, I, I. I don't want to be the Lee Dixon who is like the game's gone and back in my day that sure. was never a yellow card. Yeah. Same. You don't want to be the crusty old old person who is resistant to progress. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, let this be the last word. We we have – this is the opposite of progress. This is regression and that's just an ob- objective, conclusive observation. It, here, it just one final, final thing, which is that I don't like this false equivalency that before VAR – we were all like that we were just arguing about marginal offside calls just as much. And that like, it's just replaced one thing with the other. It's like, no, there's no way we were not, we were not going on. like if that Sterling goal goes in or not, or the penalty save with encroachment. It's like, it's, that was just a thing that happened, you know? And like, I just yeah. don't feel like we were, we were debating maybe a, a very occasionally or in really wild situations yeah. like that famous well, West you, Brom. You have goal. more tr- last season. You had far more trust whether it was, you know, trust with um, with uh, some skepticism, you trusted in the linesman flag, and that was just the final word. Right. And VAR has not has taken trust away, and in, in some like 
I, I can't even see how it has, but it has. <laughs> it's just like I, I just – it's like it's supposed to be fun. Like this is all supposed to be fun. You know, the game – like watching the Premier League is fun. Playing fantasy is fun. And there's just nothing fun about VAR. And I feel like at some point like the common sense is going to kick in and they're going to realize, you know what? I know we invest a lot of money in promoting this. We built this like VAR shed or whatever in the woods or whatever. Wherever yeah. they're watching these matches, you know. Uh, but they're just <laughs> – you just got to scrap it, guys. Like, like the amount of money you spend on VR is like less than Raheem Sterling made last week, you know, uh, for Man City. Like, just let it let it go. And uh, it's like it's like um, it's like hiring Kike Sanchez Flores back to be your manager. You're like, admit that you just made a mistake (laughs) and fix it. Correct. Exactly. It's embarrassing for a week or two. And then you'll have your you'll have the equivalent of the eight nil win away, loss away to Man City. And then it'll be fine. Brandon, I'm gonna I'm gonna call on Audible here. I think we had rants here, but our our rants went so long. I think we should just scrap the rants yes. and go right on to uh, go right on to to thanking our new patrons and get into the meat of the podcast. What do you think about that? I think that's a grand idea. And uh, check our socials for an update on the Always Cheating Super League because uh, the fantasy site is so slow; it's still not updated the Super League, but. <laughs> I just want to point out that salty uh, today. Yeah. I, I am very salty. I'm very angry. Um, Owen Hogan <laughs> played his free hit this week, which is, I think, at least te- at least temporarily put him at the top of the Super League table. So uh, interesting strategy there. Yeah. Thank you to our new Patreon members. We have a few this week. A new producer, which is always we roll out the red carpet for our new producers. Toothless Gibbon. Welcome. Thanks for the upgrade. At the Lord Sorloth level, uh, welcome to Magnus Henriksen Dijel, and at the Pookie patron. This is a big week for the Pookie uh, patron signups. I think in honor of Pookie's what first uh, fantasy attacking return and attacking month. return. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So big thanks to Cinderhoff Peterson, Stu Solomon, and Steve Anderton. If you're interested in finding out what our Patreon is all about, just visit Patreon.com/slash Always Cheating. It's just a way for our listeners to chip in and say thank you to what uh, Josh and I do each week on this podcast. And in return, you get exclusive content. You get an extra bonus ad-free podcast every week, as well as uh, access to our private Slack channel where we have uh, hundreds of really awesome managers talking about everything from FPL to movies to beer to politics and the like. Um so and yeah, Star Wars, that's the good stuff. always and Star Wars, yes, exactly. <laughs> always a little Star Wars. We have a recent seventy-five minute Star Wars podcast, which uh, we got some nice feedback for. So uh, if you if you're getting excited about the new Star Wars movie, and you're in that weird demographic that loves Star Wars and fantasy, maybe that's not that small of a demo. Actually, uh, go to Patreon.com/slash Always Cheating to support us. Brandon, let's take a break. Let's wipe this VAR discussion off our off the table and uh, let's move on to pure fantasy pure uncut colombian fantasy what do you think about that i need i need it josh i need it right into my veins let's go god i was so excited i think i said fantasy instead of fantasy so that's <laughs> that's how excited i am brandon let's do this <laughs> brandon we're back today's main topic premium problems and premium solutions Let's start off with Spurs. Spurs have a uh, classic, <laughs> classic Spurs where they like they were dominant, and then like they just like conceded two goals because you know why not at the end of that match. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, are are the the question here is uh, are we believers? And I've got a couple questions here. Uh, Jeff Waugh says, 
Uh, as per the start of Mr. Mourinho's second season at Man United, do we think we'll let, do you think he'll let his new Tottenham horses run freely for a few games before tightening the team up? It's an interesting question. It is an interesting question. Uh, I mean, I guess, I, I guess just to, just to reset the whole discussion here. I mean, so I watched, uh, I, I was, I was in Austin, Texas this weekend. I was able to actually watch it like five thirty. Of course I'm a complete addict. So I was up like insanely early to watch this match, um, uh, before I had to go to my, my conference. And, uh, I thought they looked really strong in the first half. I was really, um, I was really impressed with Sun in particular. I mean, I guess that's kind of stating the obvious at this point, but I thought he looked really good the first half. Yeah. Yeah, I think that all eyes right now are on Kane and Son, and it just kind of depends on what your FPL team setup is, who's going to work for you. you know, do you have Aguero? Are you going to move him out and bring Kane in? Do you want to get rid of one of your um, Man City midfielders? But I think those are the two to target. Deli Ali is, you know, the the pundit class is now trying to um, – put Deli Ali into the Frank Lampard role. If you look at Mourinho's uh, older Chelsea team and Deli Ali is a really interesting one to it's talk about because he's yeah. just, I mean, yeah, I would argue he's, he's shown nothing to um, justify his price, but he just has 1% ownership throughout uh, FPL. So if you're talking about mm-hmm. differentials, it's, it's a long shot, I think at this point, but Deli Ali starts to come good. I think that that's a really easy and quick moving bandwagon, just given the level of that ownership. However, that said, um, I made this case to uh, our patrons on last week's kitchen table pod, but it's just like, what do we actually know about Jose Mourinho? And what do we actually know about Spurs? So yeah, you can tell me all the tales about what Jose Mourinho did, you know, a decade ago. But if you look at his exit from Real Madrid, his exit from Chelsea, and his short-lived stint and then exit from Manchester United, it's all ending in tears, and it's just a classic story of diminishing returns. So I'm just like, I, I, to be perfectly honest, am very excited about the prospect of Hungman Son in my midfield. However... I am terrified at how we are just really overhyping this Mourinho situation because he's kind of just a crazy old <laughs> coot at this point. It's the, yeah, I mean, it was hard not to feel like the game had maybe passed him by a little bit uh, near the end of his main era, although they did finish second, his second season there uh, to give him a little bit of credit. Um You know, and that was a funky Man United team in that third year, you know, kind of, um, I mean, classic third season syndrome with Mourinho for sure, but um, that was just kind of a poison, like a weird mix of like mid twenties player, you know, and young players. And I mean, it's really not that different this year, I guess. All the young players are now playing a little bit better, I guess, is the big difference. So, um, so son, I mean, you said you teased some, uh, you were teasing some transfers. I don't actually know what you did. So, what have you made? Have you transferred in a Spurs player already? Is that one of the moves that you made for your? Your personal yeah. team. So you've been you've been harping on me for uh, sitting on two free transfers. I'm like underspending in my FPL team. So mm-hmm. on Sunday night, I made three transfers, and I'm on a minus four Whoa. right now. Yeah, and wow. that was okay. <laughs> it was to bring Sun in, um, and I moved Aguero out for Jimenez to get the cash to turn Mason Mount into Sun. 
So I, I still have the these two city to go on theme, these two city premium midfielders in Sterling and De Bruyne to contend with. Um, Wait, so you said you burned four, though. So that, that's two transfers, right? Well, what's the yeah, third transfer? Right. The third cha- transfer is Sionju, uh, and I brought him in for Navarro, my 3.9 non-playing Watford defender who, ah, you know, I was okay. reserving hope that he would he would do something for me, Josh, but he never did. Um yeah, okay. so those are my moves. So I'm 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 in, and of course that that is a classic move for someone who's a little bit on, you know, rage FPL and fantasy tilt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was punishing myself for not being aggressive enough, and um, so hence I I burn these points. So mm-hmm. you know, I now I now I'm now I'm in the mode where I have to convince myself. That son is the right move. It's sort of like working the hypothesis backwards. It's like, well, I did it. Yeah. So now I have to convince myself that it was the right decision. So I mean, had I dropped dropped a premium a premium player, like somebody that was not Mount, but had I dropped a Liverpool or City player just to play this Spurs son game, I think I'd have a bit of a bitter taste in my mouth right now, but Mount, yeah. who we who we can talk about later, was very expendable in my mind. So I'm I feel like I don't have a yeah. lot to lose in this situation. Yeah, that was an interesting one. Um, I mean, we're, I, I want to keep talking about Spurs a little bit longer, but the Mason Mount being dropped. I mean, the t- I guess they, it feels like they're kind of paired in some ways because if you are if you have mount um you might be getting restless right now even if you have kdb and sterling you might be getting restless with that pairing as well um so there are there's kind of you know i don't know why i feel like that word template is such a dirty word i try not to say it too often because it just maybe it just sounds like nerdy fantasy talk or something but you know it's like you want to get off the um if you want to get off like the highly owned players right now like the most the, the like the most exciting thing you could do is move to someone like Sun, and also, um, you know, I mean, part of the, you know, part of what's fun about him is he's not really that highly owned, you know, and so it's not like you're jumping to, you know, Sadio Mane who is forty percent owned in the game, and Sun Sun even as of this recording is at eleven percent ownership. That's nothing, you know. It's like probably makes him the eightieth most owned player in the game or something like that. So, you know, there's a lot to be gained from having him early, and now. Um, I think the temptation for you will be to captain him. I would think at home to get in game week fourteen, right? Yeah, home to bus Bournemouth. team. Bus team says Hungman's son captain. I like so, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's happening. But, but you're going to captain Jamie Vardy. I, I guarantee it. <laughs> it's going to be <laughs> Saturday six twenty nine. You're going to move it over to Jamie Vardy. Yeah, well, um, I'll tell you what right, I'm so not doing is captaining a city player ever again. Yeah. I know. Same here. I was like Sterling, uh, maybe, but no, I just can't. I can't do it. Um, all right. So a couple more questions about Spurs. FPL Mikey says, I'm sure you boys will talk about it, but our Spurs assets back on the agenda. Um, as poor was Ham, but Ellie, Ellie, son and more, all decent options, even Kane again. So yeah, we haven't talked about um, Mora or even really Kane much that for that matter. I mean, Kane to me, it's, it's kind of fun. But it feels like Sun is like what you're going to get from Kane, but he's cheaper, you know, and um, mm-hmm. and and but, like doesn't come with the frustration that Kane has been carrying. Like you know, it's Kane is so frustrating right now. Yeah, and it's it's not an unpopular opinion to say Sun has been Spurs' best player for two seasons now. So, right. um, yeah. 
I mean, Kane, Kane offers you something different. He certainly offers you assurance of minutes. Like he's just, he's got, he's the warrior sort of player. He'll never miss a minute unless he um, bundles into a tackle and, and destroys his ankle again. And he has penalties, but son, we don't talk about um, greed in a positive sense enough when it comes to FPL, but son is the best kind of attacking midfielder in that he is so greedy. He passes (laughs) so infrequently. He loves to shoot. He loves to score. It's it's so funny. He's such a contradiction, you know, because he's like he's always smiling. He seems like he's a much loved player, right? Like uh, even among his opponents, it seems like everyone seems to like Son. And yet he has this history of bad tackles and red cards, and his play is like kind of selfish and greedy. And it's just like he's a, he's a, he's an interesting contradiction. I like that yes. about him. You know, he's yeah. not like he does not fit into a, a perfect little box. You know, so uh, I I do like it. What about Lucas Mora? Seven million. Um, obviously, he's been a little bit of a rotation risk, but you know he's yeah. cheap. Um, yeah. Pretty easy to move. Mount to mount to uh, to Mora if you want to be a little bit different. I like it. I think you can only talk about this though in terms of um, Pulisic. So it's an either or, right? So if I give you the classic always cheating gun to your head scenario, Pulisic yeah. or Lucas Mora, what do you think? Uh oh, I mean. Pulisic, obviously, right? I mean, I, I'm, an, I'm a biased American, but I mean, I just think he's Pulisic's more locked into that team right now. He's got better form. Uh, their prices are comparable. I mean, Pulisic's only 7.5 million. It's actually, he just got back to his starting price. It's amazing. He fell all the way to 7.1, and now he's back up to 7.5. So, but, you know, and also, it's, you know, Pulisic is still only 13.1% owned. So, you know, having him still feels like you're being a little bit different. You know, there's still a lot of edge there. And uh, Chelsea continue to have good fixtures. So, I think I think yeah. it's the easy pick there. I mean, Mora has just been so inconsistent. You know, I mean, yeah, scores a hat trick and one half away to Ajax, and then can't you know can't start in that Spurs squad for ten weeks in a row. You know, mm-hmm. it's just a weird. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so like does, does Mourinho just get like frustrated with him? Maybe. I mean, what do you what, why do you think he didn't start more often? Do you think it was a lack of aggression? Do you think it was that he was shirking his defensive responsibilities? I mean, that team could have used. Uh, a, a, a Mora who played really well, right? Like during yeah. the last 12 weeks, you know? So it's, it's, it's a funny one. I, re- yeah, I really couldn't, I don't, I don't know enough about um, Pochettino's tactics to answer that question, but I do share that yeah. concern. And it's like, it's the, that there are no right answers in FPL until it's after the fact. So, yeah. you know, I, I can't say, well, the, the right answer is Sun and the wrong answer is Mora because I can certainly be proved wrong in game week 14. But what we know and what we can talk about is how consistent Sun has been over the last two or three seasons and how inconsistent Mora has been both with his performances and his minutes. So that's the concern. And if you have the ability to stretch to Sun, then that's exactly mm-hmm. the move that I would encourage. And Mora, if if you're in a situation where you have no other fires to put out and it's an interesting jump from Mount to Mora, then I think more power to you. That's going to be like we were like you were saying, Josh, like moving to Sun right now just feels fun. There's like this this level of yeah. like baseline aggression that you can that you can just shoot into your team. And I think Mora can still offer you that. And you have a piece of this new bandwagon that's building. And if it doesn't work out then you can shift maybe to Pulisic or somebody else but 
son just feels like um he's the he's the um it's not safe that's not the word it just it's the yeah um, the best yeah. i mean he's he's a he's a captable player he's under 10 million uh he's in based on yesterday's or you know saturday's match he's in really good form i mean I, i'm with you i mean the difference is pretty massive though right remember 2.7 million yeah. between lucas and son so it's not that, that definitely not a uh requires some surgery in most teams to, to bring him in I think what so, you said though is yeah, right I, there. Yeah. Uh, the the fact that you can captain Son and that it's it's like saying, oh, Kane has appeal because he's on penalties. I mean, you could captain Kane as well, but if you're looking for the broader appeal of Son over Lucas Mora, it's that you being able to captain Son is kind of like Son having penalties, where you probably don't have the ability to captain Lucas Mora unless you're a crazy maverick. That would be that'd be a pretty risky risky move there. So just speaking quickly about Monk because he's he's not in the running order. I mean, do we think he starts again um, this Saturday? I mean, is he back in the eleven? Um, yeah, he hadn't been in great form, but yeah. they probably set up a little more defensively away to City, right? Yeah, we do have a question in the lightning round that we can just jump to, and it's from our uh, one of our new supporters, Cinder Hoff Peterson. Could you talk about Mount? Was the rotation due to t- the tough fixture? Surely have to keep him for West Ham and Spurs, of course. Do we trust them defensively? So um, I I feel like it's an eye toward – so Mount playing over the international break, Champions League fixtures coming up. I cannot imagine how Frank Lampard would want to abandon that formula that was working so well. I mean the formula right. kind of changed when Pulisic came into the starting lineup. And that diminished yeah. Mount's FPL value, but it didn't diminish Chelsea's ability to win an attack. So I, right. I, I do still feel like Mount has got to be first choice. Maybe um, who's the uh, yeah? Because 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 they, they kind of went with like a four three three in in the in the match, and they they had Kovacic, Jorginho, and Conte in the middle there. So obviously Conte did score a goal, um, but I. I, that does seem like too defensive of a midfield for a home match against teams that are very I good. You right. know, that yeah. does seem like a, a little too safe. And and I also thought, I mean, watching, uh, I actually was able to sneak away from the conference and I went to the bar for the second half of this match. And I mean, it felt like the, they were they were crying out for Mount. You know, it felt like when he came out in the last fifteen minutes or so, he was all over the ball. You know, he was on set pieces, and um, you know, they they needed they needed him. Uh, you know, to to figure out how to score a little bit right. more. So. Um, so I don't know. I, I'm, I have mountain, my squad, I'm reluctantly holding him. Um, yeah. you know, we may know more in the champions league matches too, you know, see what he does there. Um, but yeah, he's, he's starting for me this week and I obviously if he comes off the bench again, then yeah, I'm in a position where he's, he's gotta go, but, uh, he gets, we gets one more week to kind of, you know, I mean, West Hammer are so poor in such bad form that, uh, uh, you know, you, you might as well, even if he comes to the bench, he could do something. So I guess I'm just going to keep him for one more week and yeah. cross my fingers. Yeah. A lot. So many people um, in the FPL sphere are talking about it and, and are concerned about Mount, but I'm with you. He doesn't strike me as this big problem. I think that you're okay to stomach a price drop for Mount. I mean, you already, you already have. Um, but yeah, right. I, I, I predict he starts in game week 14 and you shouldn't feel bad about that because if you're looking at the, yeah, the like the there's not a stark contrast in FPL returns between 
Well, I don't know. I don't want to, I, I guess Pulisic would be the better, like if you were starting from scratch, you'd go Pulisic over Mount, but yeah. But again, he's a, he's a million more, you know, it's, I mean, the thing about Mount, right. the, the reason he, his ownership got so high is that he, you know, yeah. started off at Value. 6 million, you know, it's just super mm-hmm. cheap. Um, all right. So let's move on to Man City. Uh, the points are drying up. What are we waiting for? Are we waiting for returns that may never come? Brandon, should we start things off with a question here? Uh, yeah, let's uh, get a question from Shiva FPL who wants to know, even if City are capable of crushing any team, it looks like they're nowhere near their best and Sterling and KDB's points can be matched by cheaper alternatives. Do we see going without City assets as a risk for the next few weeks? So you you abandoned ship on KDB a few weeks ago. We've had conversations that Sterling is a season keeper. Has mm-hmm. has that changed given more blanks from Sterling? Or could we posit that the Aguero injury shakes things up? Um, I realized at the start of this podcast, I was complaining about people commoditizing in fantasy terms, people's injuries, but <laughs> well, it's, it's still true though. His injury does shake things up. <laughs> yeah. I can't change. I'm sorry, Sergio. I can't change this for you, but um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, can we predict that that Jesus coming in or Pep is, is now gone on record saying he would and, and can consider playing Sterling at to- at the top. Yeah. Well, there was a stat that came out today. I I don't have it handy, and I, mean, I don't feel like looking for it. But there's something about how basically Sterling's best returns have all come paired with Jesus this season. Uh, probably a little bit of coincidence there, a little sample size, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but I do wonder about the space in the box and how they both fill it. And Aguero is... Uh, a genius, you know, for finding the right spot in the box. And I'm not sure that Jesus has that same gene. They're just, they're a little bit different, you know, in the way that they kind of take up space. And so I wonder if maybe there is just, I mean, I, you know, I don't, I'm not statistically inclined enough to like know, like, or I've never, I haven't compared the heat maps, you know, um, for yeah, both of them, right. like with, with, you know, when they're, when they're, when, when Sterling's with the other one on the pitch. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm going to hold them. I don't know. I, <laughs> I had said last week's podcast that I felt like he was a season keeper type player and someone that I was going to stick through through thick and th- through thick and thin, uh, just based on his track record um, the last few seasons, um, and that I think that he can still really come good as a fantasy. He looks good out there. I mean, you know, maybe if that goal goes in, he's he's back in a little. You know, his form is back a little bit, and um, you know. But again, we're looking. I mean, we're looking at three blanks in a row, and. Uh, you know, it's in you know one goal and no assist in the last four. It's it's not super encouraging, but I mean, how much like how long can this fall last for City? Like they're just they're too good to just keep squeaking out these games, right? Like this can't go on forever. I, right? I think I think I, I think so. I, there's like this weird sky is falling sort of uh, thing going on with City right now. But one thing that is striking over the last month is. Describe for me, Josh, the vintage Pep Guardiola Manchester City goal. How is it scored? Don't tell me who, just the, tell me how. Uh, somebody streaking down the left, I don't know, finding David Silva, David Silva 
flicks it into somebody inside the box and they, I don't know. You have a, you, you have a great imagination and I love you for it, Josh. The, what I'm thinking (laughs) of is like the, the classic city goal is it's a switch of field down, down the sideline and it's a low cross Mm -hmm. across the front of the goal and somebody taps it Okay, sure. A a KDB, classic KDB style goal. Yes. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So, um, they just haven't scored that goal in like a good month. So I, yeah. I don't know I, what that tells me or what my eyes are telling me is that this is not just a matter of uh, a poor patch of form. It's just as deep as City's squad is, it's just this weird feeling that Pep doesn't have the personnel right now that he needs yeah. to actually score that goal. And yeah. if anything gives me concern, it's not the player's form. It just seems to be something that's going on with the team as a whole, the structure, the brief that they all get when they get on the pitch. So I think if there are a couple more games, I, I and I will give both KDB and Sterling a few more games before I solve this problem. Um, if I still, if I don't see one of those goals scored in the next two game weeks, then I think that we could be good to just get rid of our city attack altogether. Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, we talk about this, we talk about this, like once you give them up, you can never bring them back. You know, maybe, maybe that's the mistake I'm falling into with these guys. I mean, it's not like I bought Raheem Sterling at 7 million and now he's 12, you know, I mean, he's just like, he's exactly the price that I got him at. So, you know, so yeah, I mean, I guess I'm, I guess I'm with you there. I, um, but is the other side of the story though, uh, like what, what we went through with, uh, Mo Salah last season where, his form dipped to a point of frustration. People jumped off of him, and then he just went and did his Masala thing. Right, Sterling, he he is capable, and it could come back. Uh, just like I wish I could tell you all. I wish I could tell myself <laughs> how long to wait. Yeah, I know. Uh, I I guess I'm waiting with both. I mean, I, I, what I've decided to do is that barring anything catastrophic in the Champions League matches this week, I am not going to use a transfer. And I'm just going to I'm going to pull a Brandon and I'm going to give myself two transfers to try to to try to sort things out. Um, and and then I'm going to sort of decide after this weekend what what I do with this with this midfield dilemma that I've got, you know, where I've got these two 12 million players that just aren't doing anything mm-hmm. um, in Sterling and Salah. And I, I just, I, I, you know, at this point, it's, I mean, you know, money costs as much as Salah. There's just no, you know, I waited too long and Salah's dropped too much. And um, the whole thing is a disaster, you know, and so I'm just, I'm just going to kind of. You have a premium I just, problem, I, Josh. I do have a premium problem. My, my premium solution in my case is is to give it another is to wait a week and 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 sort out my my plans, sort out my thinking a little bit. Um mm. because I, I can't quite decide what to do, you know? And um mm. and if I don't feel confident in the sometimes it's easy. Sometimes you see your team and the way I you know, I, a couple weeks ago I, I burned four to bring in Jamie Vardy and I was just like, you know what? I can't go any longer without him. He's the one player that I really need in my squad and I'm willing to burn four to do it because I'm gonna captain him for many of these next uh, next few fixtures and i just did it and it was fine you know and uh you know but th- with this one it feels like there's a lot of different ways to go and um yeah. i think the the sun suggestion that you made earlier makes a lot of sense and yeah i think it would be very reasonable and justifiable to maybe i'm getting too caught up in the in the coverage thing by the way um yeah. i mean just for me it's the idea of not having any man city players 
when they're probably still the best attack in the league, you know, I mean, once this sort of patch of poor form is done, yeah. it just mm-hmm. it feels does not feel like it's the right fantasy move, you know. And so, I mean, I would even, I guess, consider just dropping Sterling for KDB, you know, uh, that would free up one point eight million. That would be an option as well. So. You know, it's just a, it's a tricky one. And so, um, you know, so I guess I understand anyone who's moving to Sun, I think it's reasonable for me personally. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to give it another week and, um, and then, and then decide what to do. So Mikkel on our Slack was suggesting swapping Kevin De Bruyne for Sun. So you, this week, is that, is that too rash? Like for me, I, it was an easier move because I was dropping, Mount, who I felt was expendable, and the ceiling for right. De Bruyne just feels so much higher. Yeah. But I don't know. Well, I, I guess how do you I'd feel about like to bring in uh, about about uh, KDB to Mount or, or to yeah. Sun? Um, I, yeah. I I I like it. Um, I think I, it's a really tricky time to make any of these moves because. Uh, all of these teams have the Champions League in midweek, and then they have a match at the weekend, and then there's midweek fixtures next week, and there's another match at the weekend. So it's it's four matches in a week, you know, in a week and a half for all of these teams. Um, it's a lot of football, and Man City rotate a lot, you know. So I think there's definitely a bit of concern about bringing in someone like KDB, who's probably like of these four matches, he's only certainly not going to play in one of them, right? Um, you know, like maybe it's the midweek match, but I mean, he may, he may, okay, he may play in all four, but he's not going to start four matches in two weeks. I, I wouldn't think so. You know, I think there's a little bit of risk there. Um, and, and, you know, so maybe that actually makes him even more, maybe more, even more inclined to bring in Sun. Although you could argue that Sun is also at risk of some rotation, uh, because he, you know, was playing, you know, with Brazil, you know, playing for South Korea against Brazil just a few days ago too. And maybe that's too much for him. So um, you should see the face I'm making right now, Josh, I'm making it like yeah. I'm deeply uncomfortable and concentrating too hard. Like I'm sitting on the toilet face. <laughs> so it's, I'm just, I'm not, I know I'm not helping, but I'm just saying that it's tricky. Okay. You're that's offering all more premium. And, you're bringing more premium problems to the table than you're bringing premium <laughs> solutions. That <laughs> That is true. That is true. Yeah. I, okay. Uh, here's KDB to sun, I think is, is a perfectly, Good, solid move that I would recommend. Let's just leave it at that. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about our last premium team that factors in here, Liverpool. So the defensive nightmare continues for Liverpool. Uh, the solid roller coaster, as you are on right now, Josh, it continues. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. I think the the big upside for Liverpool right now, perhaps the only one from a fantasy point of view, I mean, beyond the yeah. non-fantasy point of view that they're going to win the league, is that Sadio Mane is just an absolute delight. Like, go travel back in time, Josh, five years ago. Yeah. And right. maybe four years ago. And somebody says, in 2019, the two must-have players in FPL are going to be Jamie Vardy and Sadio Mane. Um, it's it's kind of wild to yeah. think about. But um, So what, why, do, why don't either of us have Sadio Mane right now is what I want to or, ask you. <laughs> Or Andy Robertson. We don't have either yeah. one. What's going on with us? Are we morons? <laughs> um, <laughs> I couldn't believe it when they the, when it was the Robert. I mean, of course I could believe it, but man, another Robo to Mane goal uh, in the second half. But that was that was that was a stomach punch. And I mean, for me, it's like I'm so I'm so bitter because I just I just got it all wrong with those two. You know, this season mm-hmm. I started off with. 
with uh, Mo Salah. And then when I did that game week three wild card, I brought in Sadio Mane and I did it right before, like I did the match right before uh, uh, Salah scores a brace at home to Arsenal. Uh, and then I sort of hold a transfer and I said, you know what, I'm just going to make the move back to Salah. It was a mistake and I want to correct it right away. Um, and I do that the game week before Mane scores a brace at home. Um, and then I feel like I'm kind of locked into Salah for a while. And then he gets this ankle injury. And once the ankle injury sort of takes hold, uh, Mane just emerges as this incredibly dominant midfield, maybe the one maybe the one essential player in fantasy over the last uh, seven mm-hmm. or eight weeks. And, um, and I'm sort of just holding on to Salah, like, Oh, maybe he's going to start this week. And, uh, <laughs> it's like, it's been a disaster. I mean, it has not been quite as catastrophic as it seems, I will say, yeah. because, um, because he does have, I mean, Mosal has two goals in his last four. Now, not explosive, massive double digit returns, but, you know, I mean, it's not like he's just been, you know, getting absolutely crushed in these matches. You know, he, he outscored Mane in the Spurs match. He outscored Mane in the Man City match. You know, not by a ton, I'll grant you. And I'm not going to argue that Salah's been a better fantasy asset than than Mane. Of course, he has not been. Um, but, uh, you know, it's not like it's, you know, the difference is about, for me, for my personal team, the difference is about 30 to 35 points, which is, it just, which is a lot. But uh, I think... Um, you know, I think that I'm just going to hold Basala now. And uh, if this is this what kills my season, then then so be it. I, I don't know. Like, I, yeah. it just feels so lateral. I don't know. It feels like I have so many other problems I need to fix that I guess I should just do it, though. I don't know. And then, then I also have this, this, this feeling where I'm just like, well, you know, he's 40% owned, you know, unless I captain him all the time. I don't know. But then you're like, well, I feel like I'm just talking myself in circles in this podcast, by the way. I don't know why this, this podcast is like a <laughs> professional me, I, booth I, or something. I, I want to ask you, you about in. something you else. With, re, well, yeah. with regard to your team, you're doubled up on Liverpool defense with Van Dyke and Trent. Rowan Emsley wants to know, is this Liverpool defense ever going to actually <laughs> deliver? So it's like it's yeah. like we keep trying to will these Liverpool <laughs> clean sheets into existence. Yeah. Oh, there's yeah. no right. That's there's, another disaster. No, it's, it is. Well, you, yes. That, yeah. And you know what happened there, right? Like three, three game weeks ago, I had two transfers. and I was like, I'm just going to keep it really simple. I'm going to bring in him and as in Tamori. And then I somehow talked myself into having Trent doubled up with, with Connolly as my forward. And, um, that was like a, that's like a 20 point swing there too. I, I don't know why they can't keep clean sheets. And like, honestly, they probably should have conceded two goals, right? If not three, yes, uh, in yes. that match away to palace, they look, v- I mean, they have what? Two, v- clean, a- R. two clean sheets on the season, how a team this good defensively. I mean, how many clean sheets? I don't, 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 before you look, how many clean sheets did Virgil van Dyke have last season? Do you remember? Uh, was it 21? It was 20. So okay. they would need to score. They would need clean sheets in 18 of their final 25 matches for him to match last season. Uh, I mean, just a, a massive, a massive fall from grace. And I, it doesn't really make a ton of sense to me. I'm not really sure. They're not even like, it's not like they've opened up their attack or anything. You know, it's like, I, I don't know. Yeah. It's a funny thing. Well, like maybe the, 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 the word, pressing the, styles. Yeah, go ahead. I, I think the word that is often associated with Virgil van Dyke is imperious. And, you know, while keeping clean sheets is bloody hard, uh, in particular, mm-hmm. like in one of the biggest, most uh, attacking leagues in the world, 
So, like, to say Liverpool's defense has been bad this season is really disingenuous, but I do think that they right. have not been imperious. Um, I mean, right. I don't see any defenses that have been imperious in the league at yeah. all. Um, but I think if that's Losing just Joel like a hard, probably hurt. Yes, that is a that's a really good point, uh, and I, I do think you um, you I do think it's you underestimate the or the you overestimate the ability of these teams just to keep that level um of -hmm. consistency so high across multiple seasons it's just like just like it's in it's really hard to defend a league title uh sure it's it's hard to keep 20 clean sheets season upon season upon season so you know i think we can kind of um jettison this conversation of will the clean sheets ever happen who knows i'm not sure i care anymore um that's why i think (laughs) Um, it's easy enough for us to just point every FPL manager in the direction of Trent or Rabo. Take your pick. I think at the end of the season, both those guys are going to be on similar points halls. Robertson is definitely the one that's on form right now, and that's fine. Yeah. And if you have the move to make right now, go for Rabo. He's in form. But I think if you're on Trent, don't freak out. Um, it's going to be okay. Yeah. But the only reason to buy into these this expensive defense is for the attacking returns. Okay, this is a fi- final question. Okay, Bernard, I think then I think we have to take a break. Okay, so let, the one last question. Um, we've I've talked a lot about myself as I as I often do in these podcasts, but I want to ask you 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 burned three transfers this week. Not one of those transfers was Sadio Mane. Why not? <laughs> Um, <laughs> just, I mean, I'm curious. Question. I'm genuinely, yeah. yeah. Um, well, because I still believe foolish as it may be that, um, the output that I could conceivably get in the coming weeks from Sterling and De Bruyne could match, uh, Mane's output. Uh, okay. you know, well, that's but that's not exactly right. Like combined. The reason, <laughs> so th- th- this is actually a really excellent question because it is probably an unspoken FPL conundrum of it's like a move. It's a weird thing that I think we've all done where and Jamie Vardy was this for you a few weeks ago. You're just like, why don't you have this guy? Why aren't you getting it? And in your mind, right. you're like, well, I can see another guy who would also help me. And mm-hmm. I'm going to get him and it's, instead. And it's and really boring Saudi, to bring in. Yeah, yeah sorry, go ahead. it is. Go ahead. I th- yeah, I, th- I think you're saying the same thing. Um, bringing in Mane. You know, what? I, I actually have no real good um, sound explanation for why I didn't. I think I do. You just didn't want to. I didn't want to. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I don't want to. and I don't have to. Yeah. And, and you can't make me do it. So, you know, I can try I and like frame fair. it in this yeah. in this BS sort of way of like, well, I'm looking for differentials now because I'm sort of lagging and that's the way I'm going to do it. And that's kind of how I have been approaching Man City attack over Liverpool attack. But it's yep. it's failing me right now. And, you know, that's kind of the definition of being an idiot is is just is just continuing to do the same thing. So this is human nature, sun- though. It, yeah, it is. 
it's, it will be very telling if the sun if the sun thing works out and I can get away with not having Sadio Mane, then I got lucky. I did. If the sun thing blows up, then yes, we can have an even grander confessional in the coming weeks about how I've made just a zillion poor decisions this season. <laughs> we're just getting him out of the way. I mean, last year, last year it was like we couldn't do anything wrong, you know. And so it's uh, yeah. this this is this is part of the fun, you know. It's a uh, like yeah. it was not fun the first few weeks, and now it's kind of fun. Now it feels like a problem to solve, you know. It's like all right, like you sort of like you like you get over it, you know. You're like, oh man, this is like I'm so I can't believe I did so well last year. I can't believe this is you know it's not going well. And then you just sort of like. It's something you just deal with it, right? You're just like, okay, like here's where I am. Let's like let's let's do something different. And you know, I mean, I think yeah, if you're 13 weeks into the season and you're above 500,000 or whatever, then it's like, yeah, bringing in a player that everybody kind of has already doesn't sound super appealing, you know. And I, I, whether it's the right way to play or not, it's just it's more fun to take the risk, you know. So I think uh, I think I. I feel you. I mean, I guess that's why I haven't moved solid of Mane. It's kind of the same rationale. So, yeah. Anyway, I sorry to put you on the spot there, but I was curious. Uh, <laughs> that, you know, I think I learned a little bit, it. a little bit about myself in trying and failing to answer that question. So, <laughs> I think so too. That out of me. All right, let's take a let's take a break, and uh, we'll get back uh, with a uh, an abbreviated lightning round this week, Brian. We're going to do a quick lightning round. Cool. Brandon, we're back. We have a three-question lightning round here, all right? First mm-hmm. question comes from Luke. He says, uh, this is, by the way, uh, all answers are 30 seconds or less. That's a rule we always stick to on the lightning round. So just, if this is your first time listening, that's that's how we do it. Mm-hmm. Luke says, our premium is mostly for captaining. What I mean by this is if you aren't planning on captaining someone like Raheem Sterling in the foreseeable future, are those funds be- better spent improving other positions? Right, so this is Luke suggesting what I was saying about Son versus Mora, where Son is worth the value, worth the money you spend because you can captain Son where you would not captain Mora. So what is the point of having a player like Raheem Sterling, who's more than 12 million, if like me, I'm sick and tired of captaining him and and having it fail? Uh, so, so why not just, uh, bring in Pulisic and Madison and, uh, just have a freewheeling great time. Um, I don't know. Do you, do you buy that theory at all? Uh, no, I don't really. Um, and I mean, I guess like if your team is loaded up with, with expensive 10 million plus players and the rest of your team is like a bunch of 4.5 million guys who suck, then yes. Um, I think it's, I think it's better to spread the money around a little bit, but I think in general, uh, why they're, they're expensive because they're, uh, reliable, you know, and they're players who are going to be very consistent when it comes to points. Um, and, uh, this is, is, is true for defenders as it is for, for midfielders, I mean, you know, there's early on in the season, you're like, man, like Andrew, Andrew Robertson is way too expensive at seven million. I can't believe he started off at that price, um, and now he's, you know, I, I wouldn't say he's excellent value, but he's he's proving his value, um, you know. And we just have to sort of look at it through a longer lens sometimes, yeah. you know. So um, right. we'll we'll see about Sterling and Salah, you know. I mean, Sterling in particular, it's like he's got to yeah. he's got to do better. <laughs> so we'll see. Yeah, we got a follow-on response to Luke's question from our friend Fly You Fools, who said, I can't accept that this captaincy theory is the case. Premium players are for goals. Captaincy makes the difference for sure, but I'd rather have three premiums scoring a goal each than one premium and a 
with a goal and two non-premiums with blanks. So, you know, there's there's someone agreeing with your idea that that premiums are brought in for consistency. And that consistency is what helps you make your captaincy decision, um, you know, when the when the 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 correct week comes along, I guess. All right. Next question comes from our friend. Anything else you want to say about that, John? Nope. Go on. Yep, I'm good. All right. Next question comes from Jono. Has your approach to early transfers and team value changed this season? Many quote experts. Was that a dig at us from Jono? Uh, <laughs> I don't seem know. To preach <laughs> preach the patient approach, but there appear to be quite a lot of early rises and a few people on the main thread. Um, I think he's talking about our Slack here, who believe that the chance of midweek injuries is low enough to take the risk and get in early to save some money for wild cards in the second half of the season. So. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if you've made too many early transfers this season, Josh, but I think some people are, um, kind of worried about the volatility of the price market this season. And we haven't seen many big high profile injuries happening midweek. So why so cautious with our transfers? I mean, it's that historically has, you know, I mean, this is, what is this like our ninth or 10th season with the with our always cheating mini leagues since we've been playing and yeah. um it has basically always been the way to play you know and uh through the first 13 weeks of the season uh it has uh it has bitten most of us and uh, we've actually I th- we've talked about this in an earlier podcast too but you know i think the the rise of the fpl information economy has changed things a lot too uh where it used to be that you know a player would be on the rise it would take a while for them to just you maybe maybe you miss a point one rise or something like that, but now it feels like you know Tammy Abraham goes off and his price might be up point five in two weeks. You know, um, these mm-hmm. are it just didn't never. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Brandon, but I feel like it, it never used to happen that way. It used to take a lot more time for <laughs> for like the for like the the crowd to catch up, sort of. You know, yeah. now it feels like they're they're right there immediately. I mean the the fun, sexy way of talking about FPL is it's all about picking the great players who are going to score points and you're reading the game and you're doing the eye test and you're building the perfect team that you'd love to be on the sidelines managing yourself. But in reality, FPL is just a game like you're managing a a money portfolio and you're mitigating risk. So the whole idea of premium problems and premium solutions. Yeah, exactly. Step into my (laughs) office. Um, uh, but yeah, the whole idea is you're mitigating risk by waiting and your risk is higher by doing an early transfer because if that player gets injured, then you're kind of screwed for that game week. But if yes, you totally take a, a team value hit by 0.1, that is comparatively not a big deal. So it's, it's, uh, lower, yeah. it's lower risk to wait. It's higher risk, but you do like in, like in the stock market, you take a higher risk, you have a chance of a higher reward. You can increase your team value if that, if that's really what you're after is the team value aspect. Aggression may be the way to play moving forward. Um, the, the parallels between the rise of fantasy and people talking about fantasy and the rise of online poker are so I feel them so much sometimes, and I feel like the way that online poker evolved, where it sort of had this patient, this guy Dan Harrington approach, you know, where you sort of 
uh, you're conservative. You never commit yourself to, you know, it's just like, I, 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 it's, funny, it's been so long as I played seriously. I, I don't remember the language really anymore, but it was sort of, it was basically about, you know, being, being conservative and, and smart and picking your moments. And, um, and the way that game evolved is got more and more and more and more aggressive, you know, and, and, um, and the aggressive, the people who are the most aggressive, these sort of high risk, high reward players were the ones who did the best. And, um, I, I wonder if we're going to see more of that in fantasy. I will say it feels slightly unusual this year because it does feel like if you moved early, it somehow has like never hurt you this season. And all of the bandwagon players have continued to play really well for a long time. You know, it's, yeah. it sort of feels like it's, it's a season where it, being really aggressive has been sort of uniquely rewarded. Um, yeah. but, uh, maybe I'm just saying that cause uh, I have not been as lucky as, uh, as I want to be with some sounds like sour grapes, Josh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe it is. Uh, a final question from Tom Knight. He says Jimenez versus Rashford. Good yeah, question. Good, good question. Um, uh, well, I think the implied, well, not the implied question, but the question that is more interesting to me is which team is better? Are Wolves better or are Manchester United? To watch that Sheffield United, Manchester United uh, matchup, I mean, what a amazingly entertaining, weird game. Uh, but to watch United, Manchester United for that first half struggle mightily, and but then to see mm-hmm. how they had the ability, Rashford uh, really uh, putting the team on his shoulders for a good like 10-minute spell – was really fascinating and that is the case for Marcus Rashford. So Rashford has that in him whereas Jimenez just plays in a more predictable outfit, a more consistent outfit and Jimenez himself probably has a slightly lower ceiling, but I just think there is a consistency there that is hard to come by with strikers at Jimenez's price. So he's been in amazing form to be sure. Marcus Rashford though, to, to give him credit, cause we really don't talk about him very much on the podcast. I mean, he's probably, he may be the most underrated player in fantasy at the moment. Uh, you know, I mean, kidding, he, he costs 8.6 million. He is tied on points with, with a bomb Yang. Uh, he's two points ahead of Aguero, um, six points ahead of, uh, of Jimenez. Um, you know, I mean, he's he's really the you know the the most important attacker in that Man United team, and I I agree with you. I think that Wolves are a better team, and uh, I actually probably would go so far as to say that I think that Jimenez is a more complete player than uh, Marcus Rashford. But um, I don't know. I mean, you could make an argument for both for, for sure. You know, what about a um, I don't know. The problem is you kind of there's like kind of four spots, four strikers for three spots right now, right? Because Vardy feels essential. Tammy, I think, is still pretty much essential. And so then it's who do you want in that third spot? Do you want um, Rashford or do you want Jimenez? And I think that that's where the price really comes in, right? Because um, yeah. that 1.2 million is pretty significant. Yeah, I mean, it, it, just doing a stats comparison side by side, uh, Jimenez beats Rashford uh, primarily just on baseline bonus and the number of shots he's taking. XG uh, is 8.33 for Rashford throughout the entire season, where it's 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 three less. It's 5.19 for Jimenez for XG. I mean, it's 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 a very close one, and you could just easily uh 
solve this argument by saying it's down to price. And I think a lot of people maybe are priced out of Rashford at the moment. Yeah. So why why spend nights worrying about it? Just get Jimenez and, and move on with your life. Yeah. Although if you want to be different, I guess that would be the argument for Rashford, right? Is he's sort of yeah. his ownership is, is is probably slightly inflated because there's so many so many Man United fans out there. Um, I feel like among the more I don't know, you know, the kind of I guess I'll just call it the kind of fantasy community template or whatever. Uh, his ownership is certainly not anywhere near fifteen percent, right? It's much closer to two or three percent. So uh, you know, he's a little bit different in that regard. Well, I wish that uh, Manchester United wore the yellow Wolves kits because then I could compare Rashford to Nuprin, uh little yellow <laughs> different. I know. Well, you still did. You, you pulled it off. <laughs> uh, let's move on to game week 14, Brandon, after, after that Wayne's World Nuprin joke that only I got, I'm pretty sure. Uh, game week 14, uh, Rushi says, uh, for the next game week, I am lost for choice. Who should I play between Lundstrom and Tamori and Madison and Mount? Oh, we don't do a lot of who should I play uh, games on here, Brandon, but yeah. uh, let's, 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 let's play it this time. What do you think? I threw the. I thought we should throw this question into the mix because there are interesting matchups with these um, mid mid price players. And if you look at mm-hmm. Leicester and Chelsea, they're kind of on equal footing FPL wise with intriguing similarly priced attacking assets, and they both have decent home fixtures. Leicester are hosting mm-hmm. Everton on Sunday, and Everton. You know, need we say more after that humiliation at home hosting Norwich? And right. they are away. And Everton under Marco Silva, notoriously terrible on the road. But then Chelsea, mm. they are hosting a terrible West Ham at Stamford Bridge. So if you had to choose between Madison and Mount, I think based on just based on full on team form, Madison feels like the pick if you had to choose. Snap, if we're just fire, totally agree. Yeah, Madison's the pick. Uh, Tamori and Lundstrom is interesting. Yeah, go on. I want to hear you. What's your take? Well, I just, I mean, I, I get that Lundstrom. Okay. I was going to say this earlier on the podcast, but Lundstrom, that guy has a red card in him, right? I mean, we are <laughs> definitely a few yeah, week game he, weeks away from a three yeah. game suspension red card from him. He is flying <laughs> over the pitch sometimes. Yeah. He was trying to make up for losing the ball in that first half of Man- the Manchester United match. And yeah, I can't. Was it Pereira who he went in on? He went in on somebody. And yeah. He was out of control. Did he get a yellow card for the first one? Yeah. yeah. He's a big dude too. So uh, <laughs> I I agree. I agree. So you don't subscribe to this this new Lundstrom religion where he's undroppable. You're starting him every single game week. No, I think he's droppable, of course. I mean, come on, give me a break. I mean, he's like he's he's had some good <laughs> moments for sure. And I'm super impressed by Sheffield. And I love that I have two Sheffield players now, right? I mean, I brought on Luce Massey, and it sounds like the hamstring was more of hamstring tightness than hamstring injury. So he actually may be ready by as soon as this weekend, which is which is awesome. I actually wouldn't mind if he didn't play this weekend as long as he was ready for the the midweek match. They have this amazing run coming up where they play yeah. Newcastle, Norwich, Aston Villa, Brighton, and Watford over the next five after this after this Wolves match. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I definitely think that he is. Um, I mean, he's he's not a position defender, so that that gives him a lot of appeal right there. 
Um, and, you know, teams aren't really used to their kind of like the way they overload, you know, the amount um, the attack. And um, it creates a lot of problems there. It does seem to create a lot of space for him to sort of do his like, you know, kind of barrel into the box, you know, one time it. Um, he is a know? barrel, and so, isn't he? He is a barrel, a barrel chest. He's a big dude. Um, and he actually probably could have scored two goals uh, in Sunday's match. I don't know. I mean, it's sure. not open and shut, but I just think West Ham are dreadful. And Tamori is really good. And Tamori actually has a little bit of attacking threat himself. Um, I So I would go Tamori personally. What about you? Mm-hmm. Tamori or Lindstrom? Uh, yeah, it's a very – it's going to be actually an exciting game, Wolves hosting Sheffield United, because I don't know if I know yeah. quite what to expect there, but – Based on that, I do wonder if it's a banana skin for Sheffield United in that it's just a different type of team than they would face elsewhere in the league. So curious to see just yeah. how, how they perform there. I it's a, it's a coming up a Europa toss. League match. Yeah, coming up a Europa League match does I, I kind of forgot yeah. about that. That does kind of throw a spanner in the works, doesn't it? I maybe the the killer the killer concept for me would be how far forward Lundstrom is able to get. And I think just based on that alone uh, puts Lundstrom ahead of Tomori uh, virtually every week. And I would include game week 14 there. So yeah, I, I think I'm still in right. the Lundstrom camp. I've, I've got a fun one for you then. All right. Uh, Todd Cantwell, assuming that he is, he is, he, I know he like went off. I, I think he'll be fine for this weekend. Assuming Todd Cantwell is healthy, uh, plays kind of in the number 10 role, scores away to Everton, um, does not come off my bench, second bench spot, which is always painful. Um, would you start to- Todd Cantwell at home to Arsenal or would you start him or would you start Lundstrom away to Wolves? Jesus, this is some real hardcore decisions. Yeah, and right now I'm I'm looking I'm looking at my bus team, and I am starting Lundstrom, but I have Cantwell first on my bench. The option would be to bring Cantwell in in place of John McGinn, which I don't see that happening for me. Yeah. Uh, Mister All Action all over the pitch also probably has a red card in him, John McGinn, but. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't want to get too carried away with Todd Cantwell scoring uh, against uh, Everton. That's just like a recency bias. In right. uh, th- that but is this Arsenal bias. team. This 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 is a team that I mean Arsenal's own fans. I include myself in that category. Hate this team. We hate the man. I actually don't hate the team. I, I just hate the everything about the way it's set up right now with Emery. Like he just has to go, and it's like until he goes, it's like. It's like I almost want them to quit on him just to like get him out of there. You know, it's like yeah. it's like they're like one match away, guys. It's like just lose one more big match. You know, yeah. like if he just loses away to Norwich, he's going to get fired. Like just you know, yeah. just put up one more stinker. And I, I just I can't. Is it even conceivable to you? Like I honestly, I I feel like in my soul that Norwich are going to win this match <laughs> uh, this weekend uh, home to Arsenal, and I I, def- I definitely think they're going to score at least a goal, if not two, in that match. One of the most beautiful goals you've ever seen is Olivier Giroud to Jack Wilshire against Norwich City. Um, will Lacazette and That's Aubameyang right. replicate that goal? I don't know. I, no. <laughs> That's right. We were Are, there for that. Emery, Emery gets a stay of execution because they'll win this match 2-1. Uh, Pookie will score. Wow. I think the best you get out of Cantwell is an assist, and that's not worth me starting him over McGinn. 
Yeah, no, I, I think Cantwell is still on the bench for me. Yeah. No, no. Over Lundstrom, too. Yeah. No. Okay. All right. Uh, so that brings us to uh, the actual fixtures this weekend. Uh, Newcastle, Man City. We've talked a lot about Man City already. Uh, I don't think either of us know what to say about that match. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see how Jesus does. Yeah. Yes. Definitely curious to see how Jesus does, how that affects Raheem Sterling, assuming Jesus does start and Sterling doesn't get to run straight at Newcastle. But I mean, if it, if we weren't scared off captaining City just given their form, I'm scared off captaining yeah. City just because of the early kickoff rule on Saturday morning, which probably um, means Sterling Halls. <laughs> No, I mean, if he, if he plays 90 at midweek, I mean, you have to really worry about whether he's going to start this weekend. Uh, okay, Brent, I'll tell you this much. Here's a here's a here's a fact. This is a stone fact. Okay. If if uh, Sadio Mane, for some reason, is not a starter at home to Napoli in the Champions League in midweek, I am going to like if he just doesn't start, or if he comes on and only plays 20 minutes, I am going to move Salah to Mane. Okay. That's okay. that's going to happen. That's the thing that's okay. happening. Uh, if sure. if if Mane starts, then I'm I'm going I'm to hold firm with with Salah. I do think Salah starts this match though. Uh, this little bright match should be kind of fun though. Um, I mean, uh, yeah. I, yeah, I think uh, it, it might be a little bit like the um, the Aston Villa match that they played, where they sort of um, I think Brighton give them a game. You know, I think Liverpool do win, but I think uh, Brighton yeah. uh, make it hard for them. They're they're a fun team to root for this year. It's Brighton team. Matt Ryan loves people shooting at him constantly. So I expect three <laughs> bonus points for Matt Ryan and nothing less. So that's yeah, that's our, the only excitement I have there. Yeah, that's true. Oh, you're going to get lots of points out of, out of Ryan in that match, I would think. Um, yeah, and then that Spurs-Bournemouth match is a lot of fun. I was actually just tinkering around for a second to see if there's any way that I could bring in Sun easily. I, I think I would captain Sun if I had him too. Uh, yeah. I, you know, I think uh, Vardy is super tempting as well, just considering his form. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just that this feels like a good match. It's a good time to play Bournemouth, I think, as well. Um, so, yeah. Oh, I it, like, it, uh, what better yeah. time to play Bournemouth than after uh, one of the defenders, the one not named Cook, gets a red card. So <laughs> the yeah, defender not yeah. named Cook will not be able to play. Therefore, <laughs> Bournemouth's defense will be worse than average, worse than they typically are. Yeah. And then, like, the worst final Saturday. I don't know how it's like contractually obligated or something. Southampton Watford, they a pure watch to end Saturday, like a a true pure watch, right? I mean, like if Jan Mott is injured, who some people have, I, I don't think there's anyone else who has more than like two yeah. percent ownership in, in those two teams. This is a fixture that only Stephen Toomey could love because it is going to be broadcast on NBC, not NBC <laughs> SN, not MSNBC, yeah. but one of the biggest broadcasters uh, in the country is going to get an eyeful of some of the crappest football that the Premier League has to offer. <laughs> I guess Danny Ings is in good form. Uh, I'll give him that. But And he's at 3.8% ownership. He's, I, I wonder if at 3.8% ownership he's the most owned player in this team. I think there's – in either team actually, between this team and <laughs> – yeah. right? I mean at 38 I bet he is. I'm mean, very quickly – oh, maybe, maybe Delafeu. Okay. Delafeu, maybe Daryl Yanma. Telefeo's 2.9%. Uh, Daryl Yanmont is, where is he at here? 
He's um, at 2.3%. He's 2.3%. Yeah. So I think at at 3.8%, the most owned player in this match. Brandon, this is as close to a peer watch as you're ever going to get. I feel like we should like have a party, like invite everybody <laughs> together <laughs> just should. to peer watch this match. Yeah. Wow. That's wild. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, there you yeah. go. If anybody has any ideas of where we could meet up. Um, outside of the Black Horse for this pure watch because Black Horse is kind of a it's a holy place for always cheating and I feel like yeah to go there just to like lord over our pure watch at our fantasy church seems wrong <laughs> yeah I I think I think you're right there okay so um, that brings us to Sunday uh, Norwich Arsenal which we already talked about you gave a very strong prediction a very exact prediction. Um, yeah. <laughs> it involved uh, bombing and lock is that recreating one of the greatest goals in Premier League history too which <laughs> it's, is it's, it's, amazing it's far-fetched it's far-fetched but uh, listen put all your bet the farm bet the I farm Sheffield United Wolves which I agree will be a fascinating match um, I probably do end up starting Lundstrom over Cantwell um, just that probably is the safer way to go there. Um, and uh, and then Leicester, Leicester host Everton and uh, Man United Aston oh Villa. Yeah, Man United Aston Villa, like whatever. But uh, Leicester Everton, that could be kind of a fun match. I mean, it'd be sort of a test to see if that te- if this team still wants to fight for Mar- Marco Silva, right? Because he's he's yeah. much like Unai Emery, is very much on the ropes right now. Yeah, fascinating. Um, I mean, the, the big FPL question is is how how hard do you want to captain Lester in this match? Like, is yeah, if 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 it weren't a home match, maybe you'd have a little more trepidation. But they're hosting Everton, as I said, Everton are just garbage when when they travel under yeah. Marco Silva. So. Yeah. I they the only thing that could tempt me away from my son captaincy would be Jamie Vardy for this match. I do counterpoint. I do actually think that this Manchester United Villa match could be pretty exciting. Um, lots of young players uh, and both both with some attacking flair could be an open match. Could be an up match. Yeah, I was a uh, yeah. Anthony Martial kind of reverted back to the old version of him, where he was just kind of had his yes. like stink face on the whole match, you know. So I got subbed <laughs> off yeah. early. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that that's that's your lot. Um, you know, we'll we'll have to we're gonna sort of figure out our podcast schedule. Um, maybe we'll try to record one Saturday night or something, Brandon. Because um, I, I actually I don't know when you. It's Thanksgiving weekend here in the United States, but there's also a really quick turnaround because there are matches on Tuesday and Wednesday of next week. So, uh, and then matches three days after that. So we're gonna try to figure out what makes the most yeah. sense for people who listen to the podcast. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, we were we were day late this time, and so we definitely don't want to do that again. So we're gonna try to get one out a little earlier than we might normally do it. So we'll try to figure out how we do that. Absolutely, Josh. It's all about our listeners. And uh, it's all about our listeners. Sometimes it's a little bit about us. If you want to support us, visit our Patreon page. Go to patreon.com slash always cheating, where you can find out about what you uh, what you can get in return for supporting the cheaters. Josh, thank our producers. I will. And uh, yeah, some of the th- things you get are uh, uh, a bonus podcast each week, um, as well as access to the Slack and the Always Cheating Private Leagues. Uh, winners get a pick, a pick of anything they want from the Always Cheating shop. Uh, so we have uh, we have mugs and, and T-shirts and sweatshirts in there. Uh, some producer thank yous. Uh, Trevor Ingerson, Adam Benjamin, Mike DiPietro, Chris Howell, Andy Penn, Chris Carter, Martin Savage, Brian T., The Big Gaffer, Baba Coon, Jeff Husby. <gasps> Ben Grant, James Holland, Jess Benning, Dave Wagner-Lodell, Nick Wright, Jim Payne, 
Brian Chin, Brian Jacobson, Frederick Keen Gransky, Travis West, Ellen Creasy. Randy, you, you reordered these recently. I'm, I'm getting, I'm trying to go these with are the flow in here. Or, in order of when you uh, became a producer. Oh, neat. Okay, cool. Uh, but wasn't wasn't Mike DePietro our first producer, Brandon? I don't know. Well, Victor it gets complicated. <laughs> Victor Farberg, Skogang, Paul Herzig, Kaya Kirsting, Lilang, Stian Niehaus, Barry McGuire, Peter Badaktel, Andy Portlock, Toothless Gibbon, our newest producer, and Andy Martin, who comes after him. So this order is <laughs> definitely a little funky. <laughs> well, it's technically uh, well, you. When, you became, when you became a patron, not a producer. So you're sort of uh, grandfathered okay. in, if you see what I did there. It's tricky. I, now I see. Yes. Uh, you can uh, rate and review and subscribe to the podcast in a lot of different ways. Brandon, how do they do that? Just go to Apple Podcasts, which is a popular podcast place, or go to Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Acast, wherever fine podcasts are found. And we love your reviews, your five-star reviews. That helps people, other managers, find the pod. Follow us on social media, on Twitter, at Hail Cheaters, Instagram, at Hail Cheaters, Facebook.com slash always cheating if you have a long message and you just don't know how to get it out on social media find us on email hellcheaters at gmail.com all this information uh is at our website alwayscheating.com go there and join the always cheating super league if you haven't already there's really no excuse uh brandon i think i think that's all we have to say uh but i will say a happy 34th birthday to day of mercy and Bacani. that happened just a couple days ago and uh, you'll always be our patron saint, dear Mercy. Yeah, and and Bacani forever. Are you eating something? <laughs> Drinking some water. I was cheer, cheersing uh, to Embacani. Here's to you. Cheers. cheers. Yeah, I'll do the same thing. All right. Cheers, Embacani. See you next. See you next week. You listen, right, Embacani? All right. See you now. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>